0: Welcome, everyone, to Two Guys to the Dark Tower Came, a podcast where we discuss the characters, connections, and deeper meanings of Stephen King's magnum opus, The Dark Tower. I'm Jay Russo. And I'm Sean McGurr. You can find more information about the podcast at Two Guys to the dark tower You can also email us at Two Guys dark tower at gmail.com. In this episode, we'll be reading
1: and responding to listeners' comments. Let's start the show. Jay, one of the joys of doing this podcast is. Getting to meet listeners from literally all around the world who have written in to us by email, responded to Twitter, left messages on Facebook, left reviews on iTunes, and it's great hearing from folks. And we thought that this would be a good opportunity to share some of those with the rest of our listeners and uh, as we smoothly transition from the series as a whole into some of the ancillary materials that we will be reading. And while we might not be able to get to everyone's emails and comments that were sent in, because there were so many of them, we are going to pull out some of our favorites.
0: Yeah. And Sean, just to piggyback on that, it might sound flippant to say we do it for the listeners, but without listeners, we don't really have a podcast. We just have a conversation between Sean and me. And and who wants that? <laughs> and we could, just, we could just do that without all the extra effort of making a podcast. So it really does mean a lot to hear from you. And we love everything that you've contributed. Um, requests for us to do things differently, such as pronunciations or <laughs> um, mic technique. All the feedback—it's been great.
1: Well, as both Bain and President Trump say it said, we do it for you, the people. What was that sad <laughs> accent there? Just like
0: kind of <laughs> snuck out. Um. So, Sean, one of the first emails that I wanted to bring up in our discussion is one from sarah elms and sarah reminded us in her email that she's been a stephen king fan for a long long time and that she's read a good number of his books and short stories um she discovered the dark tower kind of late in her stephen king fandom uh but once she started reading the dark tower she was hooked and she has now read or listened to the entire series of books at least eight times wow And she says that she finds that the story stays with her the way few others do. She also goes on to praise our podcast uh, a bit, where she says the podcast has been a wonderful way to revisit the story through fresh eyes and ears. This is the first Dark Tower podcast that I've continued to listen to all the way through. You guys are thoughtful and critical, but don't take yourselves too seriously. You're quick to point out where you think Stephen King got it wrong, and do so with great insight. I appreciate the care and hard work it has taken To continue making a podcast, I look forward to your continued thought and care for the Dark Tower adjacent novels and short stories. Long days and pleasant nights, Sarah.
1: Well, thank you very much, Sarah. One of the things that interested me, Jay, in reading this email was the fact that she's read or listened to the series at least eight times. Yeah. And we talked before about how readers have come to this over and over again. And we were actually recently tagged in a Twitter discussion about uh, somebody who's going through the series yet for another time. And I uh, saw on Twitter also somebody who was actually spending their day today going through all three extended Lord of the Rings movies, because that's something that they do on an annual basis. And in the Twitter discussion where we were specifically tagged, somebody had mentioned that they read it 15 times, which <laughs> boggles, <laughs> boggles the mind. Um, that, that's a, that's a lot of rituals of chud. <laughs> yes, it is. And what was interesting was that that person said that they've gotten something out of it each and every time that they've read it, something that they didn't see before, et cetera. And I appreciate that Sarah said that um, hearing our podcast has been a way to revisit the story through fresh eyes and ears. And I do think there's something to be gained for that. And I used to be that way a lot when I was younger. And as I've gotten older and realized that my reading time both actual time that I have in my life to read is finite, as well as how much lifetime I have left is finite and I need to make the best use of my time. I found myself not revisiting books and stories and movies over and over again like I used to. Uh, it'll occasionally happen, but there's still a half a dozen to a dozen Stephen King books that have been written that I haven't gotten to, so I don't find myself going back and rereading ones that were for favorites like I used to. and I wonder, as somebody who has read, I think you said the first three books of this series, at least three or four yeah. times. Um, what your thoughts are on that?
0: Well, first, I'll, I'll agree with you that our time is finite, but there are pros and cons to rereading your, your favorite books. Obviously, you're, you know you're going to enjoy it, and you'll definitely get something different out of it each time. You're going to notice things that you didn't notice, and you're also going to be looking at it with a perspective that you have today versus what you had the last time you read it even if that's just a few months or a year or so. Um, But you have to weigh that against the the con side, which is every time you reread a book that you've already read, despite the fact that you enjoy it immensely, that's time that you could have been reading a brand new book. Yep. And that could be your next favorite book. So in a sense, if you look at it as a zero-sum game, every time you reread a book, you're sort of denying yourself the enjoyment of the next favorite. Um, as somebody who, as you pointed out, I've now read the entire series multiple times, but I read the first three books three or four times before starting this podcast. So this I guess would be my official fourth time through the first three books. I did get something new out of those books every time I read it. And I did get to revisit especially my favorite parts of my of those books each time I I read it. But I think a lot of it was I was just so anxious so eager for the next new book to come out that it was an excuse for me to spend more time with Roland and his quartet because I just wanted more of their story Mm. and because no more story existed I had no choice but to reread what did exist and because I liked it so much which was the reason why I was so eager for new books it made sense to give them another go so I won't I totally agree with anybody who wants to read these or any other books more than once. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. And if you love a book, love it. Like, yeah, go fully for Embrace it. it, you know. But um, I think that perhaps you would gain appreciation for a favorite book another way by reading other books because you get more and more perspective. You get more and more ideas that other authors have tried or even the same author might have tried in a different way. And that could help you to appreciate what this author has done in this book in a whole fresh way. And then the next time you read it, that's all part of how you've changed. Sure, You have that additional perspective. So love the books you love, read them as often as you like, but don't forget that there are other great works out there.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And I know we're actually, as we revisit Dark Tower adjacent stories and books, we'll be going back and reading things that I have read before. Um, but the other nice thing about getting older, Jay, is I realize that I'm also starting to forget things. So, when we, when we, there, there is one scene I distinctly remember in Salem's Lot, and I don't remember much else about that book. So, I, you know, it's been 30 some years since I've read it. So, I'll be interested to tackle that book again because other than that one scene, and I don't even remember when it happens, it'll almost like be reading a new book for me. Same here even books five, six, and seven of the Dark Tower
0: series. I'd only read them one time. I read them as fast as I could possibly turn the page. So for me, yeah, I remembered some of the high points, like your one scene in Salem's Lot, but <laughs> this time through, as we read them for the podcast, was almost fresh eyes for me. Yep. And um, so it just a whole new perspective. I got so much more out of it because I, I purposely didn't read ahead. I purposely didn't read a lot of the analysis that other people have done because I didn't want to get spoiled. Like I knew that Oi was going to die, but I didn't know when or remember exactly how. And so I was just guarding myself against that and appreciating all the times we spent with Oi and all the all the heroic things that he did along the way. <laughs> um, knowing that this was going to end with his sacrifice but not really remembering exactly how it went. Um, just like that is one example of you know how rereading a book can be so rewarding.
1: Excellent. Well, Sarah, again, thanks for the email. I know you've been a long time listener and commented frequently, so we appreciate it. And keep on listening and keep sending in your comments.
0: Sean, another email that I wanted to talk about is uh, one that we got from Roy Dallas, and uh, he had quite a lot to say. And we're going to talk about a couple different parts of his email. But the first thing that he made a point about was that he felt that we were pretty harsh on King in our analysis of a recent episode. And he even went on to make a joke about how uh, if we don't watch out, he might just get revenge on us by writing his next book about two bookworms who turn to podcasters. They're all, uh, they've got broken glasses, they're spotty faced, have oily, oily hair, and they they have no luck with women and their names are Sean and Jay. So I would love to be on the end of
1: that sick burn (laughs) from Stephen King. How honored I would be. That that would be that would be fantastic if uh, if in fact we were in, in a Stephen King book. Mm-hmm. Doubt it's yeah, gonna sh- happen. But if you're out there, if you're out there, Mister King, go for it.
0: Yes. Like I'll show those podcasters <laughs> telling me I don't know how to stick the landing.
1: <laughs> so Roy makes a good point, and we've seen this in a couple other emails about us being harsh. And I think the one thing I. Like about our listeners, Jay, is that they realize that when we are being harsh and critical about some of the things that are happening in these books, we're doing it from a place of love and respect and not because absolutely, yeah, not because we dislike the books, not because we dislike King, and not because we don't think he's a good writer. In fact, I think that I've spent much time defending Stephen King as a writer to people who maybe have disparaged him as, oh, that horror writer or that guy who writes schlock fiction that they make all those crappy movies about. And while it's true that they do make a lot of crappy movies out of Stephen King books, he is- what (laughs) I know, spoiler alert. How
0: how dare you, sir? Never has a Stephen King adaptation been bad. Maximum overdrive. (laughs) The Dark Tower.
1: Whatever the case, um, I think that, Stephen King is going to be a writer who will be looked at with respect in the years to come. In fact, I think there, even from the seventies and eighties, when he was a writer and early nineties until now, he has been getting more respect as a writer. Um, he's won a couple national book awards, I believe. And he was, uh, won a pen prize, which is another sort of big literary one. I know there's been people who have been upset that he won those writers, thinking that he's not a high caliber enough writer to do that, but he knows enough about what he's doing as a writer um, that he is definitely a great writer. So when we are harsh on Mr. King, as Roy has pointed out, we're not doing it because we don't think he's a good writer. In fact, the exact opposite. We're doing it because, at least I am, because I have such high expectations of what he can and can't do.
0: Right. I'll echo that just to say, we know that King is a Is a very good writer. We know he's a great poet, and he's a master of his craft. That means that if he decides to write a book in a specific way, we are allowed to be disappointed by it if it doesn't turn out so well, because he has done better on other occasions, even in the same book that we might be talking about. So if you hold Stephen King up to as high of a of an expectation as we do, because we do like his work so much, and know what he is capable of, then um, he's bound to disappoint us here and there, but we're still talking about very, uh, you know, on the scale of, like, good and bad, he's still almost always leaning towards good to great.
1: Yes. Yes. I will say that when I do say that King will be critically remembered, you know, past our lifetimes, I do wonder if he will get more respect for his short stories than his novels in the long run. Just because he is such a good short story writer. And I think sometimes that gets overlooked. And I wonder if in the years to come, it might sort of turn and that those are what he's remembered for. Especially as people have shorter attention spans.
0: I think a lot of his short stories are his best works. Yeah. But I sometimes wonder if they are as well known. Because when you ask somebody who is Stephen King? They're not going to say short story author. Right. Right. So, but yeah,
1: there's, there's something to that for sure. Yep. And you could do a lot worse than to understand the late 20th century than by picking up a Stephen King novel and getting a pretty good feel of what life was like. Yeah. Without the supernatural stuff. Like what is a Rolodex? (laughs) Answering machines. Fax machines. (laughs) So one of the other things that Roy commented on is we had discussed how, you know, towards the end of book seven, King seemed to be slowly getting to where he needed to go and seemed to be deviating. And he agreed and said, you know, it's better to travel than to arrive. But then Roy had similar thoughts as to we did about the ending of the book, Jay. And I had held off on reading Roy's email until we actually finished the book. But um, he says for me, it was a colossal disappointment. Um, He really felt that While everything, the character development, the creation of a world, the Wild West, the sci-fi fantasy, he being Roland doesn't really do anything. He climbs some steps. That's it. He climbs some steps and gets transported back to his younger days. What? That's an ending? No. Seriously? I've traveled over several years with you on this story, and this is what you give me. Where's the closure? Where's the grand finale? Where's the hero getting it done? And Jay, you will appreciate this next line. Seriously. What in the blue fuck, King? (laughs) You've cheated me. You asshole, you maggot, you've forgotten the face of your father. Um, And then, you know, Roy comes back and realizes that, you know, perhaps the journey is more important than the ending. As you and I pointed out a couple episodes ago, King even warns us that we might not like the ending. And Roy actually offered a potentially alternate ending, um, something akin to an episode of Lost where there's an episode where there's a cog that they need to get unstuck to get the island and the time streams back in working order. And he says-
0: Whoa, spoilers for Lost. Yeah,
1: sorry about that. (laughs) Roy says that he's not, he's like Roland in that he's not gifted with an imagination, but he thought that that might be a good ending. And along the same lines, Aaron wrote us recently, um, somebody else who enjoyed the series and even liked book seven a lot. But he also wondered what we thought- potentially the ending could have been instead. So since we had two people sort of reach out to us, Jay, and, and said, you know, what we think the ending should be, I wonder if if we want to give that a shot without Mm -hmm. getting too fanficy. And I'll tell you mine, if you want me to start. Sure. And that's less about the ending, because I do think that King had a vision for the ending and he, he had probably known it at some point in time, how that it was going to end, how it began. But, and I hinted at this in a previous episode, I think that that could have best been done by potentially either never having Roland find the tower, what I called the quantum leap theory last episode, or Mm -hmm. instead only having three books or four at most. And it would be book one, pretty much like it is. Okay. With maybe an additional chapter that has Roland find and meet up with the three people from our world, Eddie and. Susanna and Jake and maybe not so much backstory. Then my second book would be the flashback to magus. Okay. And then basically combine basically book seven in some way. And it would be a very straight and through path between I'm on this. I'm on the search for the man in black and the tower. I have some companions along the way. Here's a flashback to tell you my backstory is Roland. And now here's me getting to the tower and overcoming it. And I think that that would have been a much tighter way of telling the story. And I wouldn't have as much build up to something that then became a little bit disappointing.
0: I like it. I I think that could be, uh, that could be King's rewrite or that could be the next loop. Maybe, uh, make book one 20% longer and drop books, uh, two, two, three, five, five and six, six. Yep. And about a third of book seven.
1: Yeah, I think, and, and one of the easiest ways to do that is to make the man in black the big bad at the end. And take Stephen King, the character, out. Take the Stephen King character out, take the Crimson King character out, and just have Roland think he's defeated the man in black at the end of book one. Book two, which is the current book four, would be, here's how the man in black um, manipulated Roland in the past. Hmm. And then Roland facing off against the man in black at the tower in book three.
0: Yeah, I like that. You can make that into three movies.
1: Interesting. Or as Aaron suggested, uh, this whole thing screams for a Netflix or HBO series treatment, which absolutely, I, absolutely I, I
0: believe that the, the Amazon Originals uh, TV series is still in the works.
1: It's so. still a potential possibility.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard anything new about it. In about a year now, but uh,
1: <laughs> we shall see yeah, we shall see
0: I, I guess if I wanted to give my take on on it, I don't want to go into a whole fan fiction new story, but what I'd like to have seen is I really like the the balance and the poetry of Roland ending where he began of him resuming the the resumption loop. Um, so I would keep that as the very final. Bit of the ending but the part that really uh disappoints me is the last bit of his journey basically from when he meets stuttering bill the robot till he walks through the door and resumes his quest all of those things seem to be unnecessary everything that he does when he fights mordred his interactions with the crimson king all those things i think that if and even his final challenge just to approach the tower i mean the crimson king is a bad obstacle poorly executed. I think that we need to give Roland something that matches the difficulty of his time in Tull or that Rivals his challenges on the beach, meeting these new people, overcoming his illnesses, uh outsmarting the mobsters, all these things. There's so much that that Roland does that demonstrates everything that makes him a gunslinger, everything that makes him special at the end of book 7 He shoots sneeches out of the air and then walks. Like, that's something that almost anybody could have done. It's not something that only Roland could have done. And that's what makes it seem hollow. So if I wanted to change anything, I would have King create something that is a bit more meaningful and a bit more of a challenge for that only Roland, only the last scion of Arthur Eld, holding the guns that were passed down generation to generation, could accomplish because it needs to be Roland that does this. Only Roland can do it. Give him an appropriate obstacle.
1: Yep. Roy and Aaron, thank you for your emails and comments. We appreciate them. And uh, if anyone else has ideas on what, how they might want to change the ending, let us know, and maybe we can discuss them in a potential future episode.
0: Yes. And we got a really nice review on Facebook from Michael Amos. Michael said, I'm rereading the series along with the podcast, currently up to book two, and the hosts are clearly informed and prepared, which makes for a smooth listen. This was the third Dark Tower podcast I tried, and the first that has shown effort and preparation from the people creating it. Thanks a lot, fellas. It's nice to hear your takes on one of my favorite series. Thank you, Michael. Um, That is uh, some really great praise, and to your point, Michael, it does take uh, quite a bit of effort on our part. It's a labor of love for us, but uh, I'm glad that the hard work that we are putting into it comes through.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's probably the main reason why we only put out an episode once every two weeks as opposed to more frequently. We could definitely do it more frequently, but it would be a lot less preparation and we would be really winging it. Yeah. And Jay and I have taken care to make sure that we don't overextend ourselves As we do this and give ourselves enough time to read and reflect and at least have some semblance of discussion prior to going into the podcast. So we know what we want to talk about, why it's important and how we're going to discuss it. And we try not to frame it too much that we're talking like automatons, as you can probably tell that doesn't happen. But we try to (laughs) we try to still have a free flowing conversation, but at least one that is structured in a way that will be enjoyable for our listeners. And all the great work happens in the editing studio. So thank you to our producer, Jay Russo and Sean McGurr, who do a great job with the editing. (laughs) So we also got a nice email from Kimberly, who is very enthusiastic in her comments about the show. I loved everything about the podcast. I read the books along with you and never could have picked up on the details as you did. I love the fun stuff at the end of each show. And she has two questions. Will Roland ever really find what he's looking for? The answer to that is, do any of us ever really find what we're looking for, Kimberly? No, unfortunately. And then a much easier question to answer. What is the next book you'll be reviewing? And that is a great question, Kimberly. And you heard it here first. The next story that we will be discussing on the podcast is Little Sisters of Eluria" by Stephen King, which is a prequel to the Dark Tower series starring the one and only Roland Deshane. So uh, a little bit more about that as we get to the end of the episode on where you can find that and what to expect.
0: I'm really looking forward to sinking my teeth into that. That's a story that I read uh, quite some time ago, and I remember it being a lot of fun. Fun, you say? Jay, is it that time? Wow, that was an amazing transition there, Sean. A segue, if you will. You said fun, and it is time for fun stuff. What you got? Oh, well, amazingly, we managed to pull some fun stuff out of our listener feedback. So the first thing that I wanted to point out was that Wayne Henderson on Facebook kind of called us out on making fun of Stephen King a little bit for poking fun himself at Ringo Starr when he named Roland's childhood dog Ringo. Wayne said that it's probably much more likely a reference to an old spaghetti western titled Ringo. Uh, I have not seen Ringo. Uh, Apparently there are two movies with a character named Ringo, one is a pistol for Ringo, and the second is the return of Ringo, and they were directed by Italian director Duccio Tessari. So Johnny Ringo was a cowboy in these movies. Um, so I should look these up. They're probably uh, cheesy and fun, just like a lot of the old spaghetti westerns. And um, and Wayne, I th- I think you're spot on with with this as the reference that uh, I don't think King was thinking of one of the Beatles at all when he came up with Ringo. Although it's kind of hard not to. I mean, but I think you're right on with S1, Wayne.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good call out, Wayne. Thank you for that. Cause I had not heard of those movies and always interested to learn a little bit more about some of the deep references that King uses in the books. So uh I know not all of our listeners follow us on Twitter, but if you do, you might have seen that we recently posted a couple panels from a 1977 Marvel comic, it was Marvel's two-in-one, starring The Thing and Spider-Man, and in those two panels, we have The Thing from the Fantastic Four sitting in a chair reading a book, and he says, blast it, that stinking vampire got the priest. Then we go to a close-up in the second panel of The Thing holding a book that says Salem's Lot, and The Thing saying, what are they going to do now? And I just thought it was pretty cool that here I am reading a comic from 30 plus years. No. 40 plus years ago. <laughs> uh damn, I'm old. A 40 plus year ago uh comic calling out the Father Callahan I think in the in yeah. Salem's lot. Um and so, you know, there's the thing at the edge of the of the Stephen King revolution early on. I mean, I think 77 King probably only had two or three books out. Uh what? Carrie, Salem's Lot and uh The Shining maybe at that point. So, um nice call by Ben Grimm there.
0: Yeah. And the answer to Ben Grimm's question was going to get published in Wolves of the Kala like, what, 35 years (laughs) later.
1: There you go. (laughs) Cool. Just a little plug to remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook because you never know what sort of stuff you'll find there. Right. And um, a
0: couple months ago, there was a, a news article about how a World War II reenactment airplane with Nazi insignia had crashed on a highway in California. And I had posted this to Facebook asking the group, is this David Quick? (laughs) And the best comment that I got was from Jason Egan. And he posted this animated gif of Ron Paul with the flashing words. It's happening.
1: It's (laughs) happening. (laughs)
0: Good job, Jason.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, that's, that's some really good fun stuff. And we will hopefully continue the fun stuff tradition as we continue with the Short stories and novels that we read as we continue on. So, uh, as always, if you have fun stuff, submit it to us so that we can include it, especially on things that we're coming to and reading, because it's one of our favorite sections of the podcast. Absolutely. All right. So, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing Little Sisters of Alluria next. If uh, you need to pick up that short story, you should look for the Stephen King book, Everything's Eventual. It's a collection of short stories in which that story is published. Um, if you're very hardcore, you can try to find the original anthology called Legends, I believe, that came out in 1998. And uh, Stephen King is one of the published stories in that collection. And his that's where Little Sisters was first published. But we'll talk a little bit more about that. That's probably the easiest way to find it is everything's eventual at your local library, independent bookstore, Amazon, or wherever books are sold, wherever books are sold. And I think that's going to be all for this episode of Two Guys to the Dark Tower came. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Links to all of our contact information is available in the show notes. You can email us at twoguysdarktower at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is at twoguysdarktower. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash twoguysdarktower or join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash twoguysdarktower. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. Next episode, join us as we cover Little Sisters of Alluria, a prequel story starring Roland Deschain that can be found in the Stephen King book, Everything's Eventual. For Jay Russo, I'm Sean McCur. Thanks for listening.
0: Say goodnight, Gracie.
1: Goodnight, Gracie.